Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Keep Honking, the Vietnam Swans podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're hearing it, as we're pumping out awesome episodes with increasing frequency, and you don't want to miss one. You're probably aware of the guests from the pod list title by now, but before we get to them, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Rod Rocket White, living in the, the future, it seems, COVID-free Taipei City. Rocket, how's things? Yes, Billy. Uh, as you rightly suggest, mate, COVID-free, the way of the future, although, uh, yeah, we've had a pilot who's just been fired uh, over here, so who uh, oh, wasn't God. telling the truth. So either, either airlines, they're oh. down a pilot. Yeah, right. How long has he been out and about? He was out for, well, he was out with his two girlfriends, uh, two different oh, girlfriends, oh, oh. but he had to fess up to all that. So now he's got himself in a bit of trouble. Yeah, okay. So uh, anyway, but that's yeah. right. That's just, you know. That's life, isn't it? the world. Anyway, hope for the best there. Now, today's guests are uh, consistently bundled together and they have, they have complained to me about it on the odd occasion. Not, not too often, but the odd occasion. But in, in my opinion, I think it's more than fair. Um, not only are they brothers, but they have a very similar hard at the footy approach on the field for the Swans and have been the, the backbone of our, our best squads as long as I can remember. Um, they're thick as thieves. They work together. We're going to find out if they're always getting on so well throughout today's podcast. Obviously, Nathan and Sean Milner. We're going to have a little bit of trouble in today's podcast dealing with the, the four-way chat. So we'll try and kind of direct a few of our questions uh, to either brother, and I think it's only fair, Shawnee, being the being the big brother. I'll get to you first. So, welcome to the podcast. Uh, where do we find how we doing? You and, and how's things? Uh, we're in uh, Taurian in Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon, and uh, things are good. We're locked up, as everyone else is. Uh, the army's delivering us food when we need it, and uh, yeah, COVID free. COVID free. Yeah, we're we're going to stay off the COVID topic. Um, Shawnee is an expert if, uh, if people want advice, but no, nah, leave him alone. Um, <laughs> now, now, Nate, I, I believe just Facebook tells me that uh, bagel and cheesecake deliveries are possible again. So thanks for, for joining us first out of your busy schedule. Have you been able to, to stock up Saigon on, on bagels and, and cheesecakes in the last couple of days? And how is the situation in terms of you know, running a business and, and getting things done? We're recording this on, sorry, we're recording this on September the 6th, in case you listen in the future. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me, Billy and Rocket. It's good to be here. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I, I imagine people in the future listening to this and being like, what are you talking about? But uh, yeah, we can't leave the house. But luckily, uh, before the lockdown came, Sean said, hey, I think we need to get some of our bakers over to the bakery because they won't be able to travel. So I've got two bakers and I'm living at the bakery as well. And um, luckily there's one guy like in all of District 2 who's willing to deliver. Like he's the only delivery driver I can find and he goes and does all our deliveries in one go. Like he just stacks up his, 
And he's got uh, bagels. And we've got the donuts going as well. So I think a lot of people are a little bit tempted. They just want oh, yeah. some, you know, something oh, sweet. Comfort. You get a lot of messages saying, hey, thanks so much. It's really bright in this gloomy lockdown. So, yeah, we're, we're supplying District 2 at the moment. Wow. That's, that, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Again, I sort of understand a little bit the challenges you guys got from the delivery perspective with one of my other interest business interests in 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 uh, Saigon uh, or Vietnam and I know the guys in Saigon have, all they hear about is deliveries have stopped no they've started deliveries have stopped no no they've started it's like well you can't yeah. get access here you can't get access there and so yeah that's pretty it's pretty incredible that you're actually able to keep the business running hey um as I affectionately called you and I'm not sure if you know this but the brothers the brothers grim when you first when I first came across you both at, at, at the footy club, I didn't know a whole lot about you. And I actually know a whole lot more about you now. I think, what are we, three or four years on now since I first met you boys. But one thing I didn't know, which, I, again, I'm not sure how many people do, but um, and I'll, I'll aim this directly at Shawnee first. So because backyard rivalries growing up as brothers, as close as you were, there must be a couple. But... More about here about the early days of, of the Milner boys growing up in, in Oz. Uh, yeah, we grew up in a small town, Lansfield, about a thousand people. So it's a bit crazy when we go home for Christmas from whatever we got here, 12 million to a thousand. And it's just out of just north of Melbourne. And uh, yeah, I think every single night of our life, we would go out to the backyard. We'd be either playing cricket, soccer, basketball or footy. And uh, about 98% of the time, Nate would come inside crying because he lost. <laughs> oh, mate, hey, like, this has the to first be settled. Across the bow. Look, it's um, he, all he's the got time. me back in the later years. No, it would be Sean always won because he's the older brother, three years, right? And then finally, I started getting my technique right or whatever, and I'd start to win. And all Sean would do is change the rules or something. So he would always just cheat. And then, of course, I'm like, this is unfair, so I just run in crying. That's how I remember it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, so we, we grew up playing a lot of sport together. Um, when I was uh, living back in Lansfield, we, we did pretty much every night after school. We'd get home and we'd be playing some sort of sport. Yep. So yeah. what, what particular sort of sports and teams did you play for outside of the backyard in those days? Um, I went to Assumption College, which is a footy school. So I played a bit of uh, year seven till 11 there. I, um, I wasn't in the, in the first 18, yeah. but um, I loved playing footy there. It, it was probably my, my biggest outlet. And then I uh, played for the local, local club, the Tigers. And then I moved up to Bendigo and played some footy up there as well. Yeah, oh, Dad has wow. always been like super involved. He's trainer and masseuse at the local club. And it's, you know, like back in the day, especially everyone, everyone in the town would come to the local footy match. So the club was definitely the heartbeat of the, the town. And so growing up playing for under-18s, then, you know, when you're under-18s, they pull you up to the first and dad's all proud. And <laughs> so, yeah, definitely it was, it was a good experience playing. Uh, but, I, yeah, it was a good experience. But I, coming back, I realized I didn't, I didn't start playing well until I started playing with the Swannies because – I don't know. I feel you don't. You feel like you don't have time, especially one's football. It's very hard hitting. But in Swannies, you can kind of take your time a little bit and yeah, get a bit more confident. I guess. 
<laughs> probably a different skill level as well. <laughs> yeah, true that, true that. But what about what about other like you got other you, 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 your parents involved in sport or and, and is there only you two? Is there only you know, the, the, uh, I've got an old, older sister, older sister, sister right? over in Adelaide. So, yeah, yeah, right. And that was just but a sporting family. I'm assuming country town, right? So, sort yeah, of, look, we all we all played tennis together. Oh, sorry, yeah. We all play tennis together. You know, it's a country town. You know, like they said, the, the local park is where you spend all your time. We're playing footy or we're playing tennis or you're playing footy or you're playing cricket. Um, yeah. And, it, and really coming here, I look back and it's quite like an amazing thing to have a little town and a little football club and everyone's there, you know, after the game, everyone's there. You run out and, you know, your uncles and, and everyone's around. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's a sporting culture, the um, country of Victoria. Very much so. Hey, tell me the mega fauna swamp. Now, have you guys been there? Sorry, what was that? The mega fauna swamp is. Uh, I've just pulled up Lancefield on the on the Google machine here. And, oh, we better have a look. And, it, <laughs> and it said, and it said things to do and see in Lancefield, <laughs> and it's come up with fossils in the area. E.G. Oh, Billy, a... Billy, Billy Crang in the mega fauna swamp. Well, Nato can tell you about that. I, I think I think Nato tried to burn that place down. Ah, <laughs> oh, is that in the back of the park, is it, Shawnee? Well, I think so. <laughs> um, one time, it was like uh, summer. So whenever you're in Lansfield, it's not much to do. So we just ride around the bicycles, go to the park, and then me and a mate, we thought it'd be a good idea just to start a fire, just a little one. And so we went out to the back of the park and then, well, I don't know how old I was. I would have, it was after school because I was wearing the school uniform and we just just like lit up a little bit of dry grass. And next thing we knew, it's just gone 10 metres this way, five metres that way. We lit the local park on fire. Yeah. And then uh, I just took off our jumpers and then used the old school uniform like I'd seen in the movies, Red Fire Moon, and just hitting hitting the fire out. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's where they eventually dug it up. I probably cleared the brush to allow them to do the digging. <laughs> now in a, population of 2000, in a population of 2,455 people, did that oh, news spread pretty quickly that you'd started a grass fire? Yeah, the uh, the local guy lives down there. He's come down and he's provided us with these buckets. And so we're, he's just watching us and we're like just running around and the buckets had a hole in it. And so we're like running as quickly as we can to throw it out. And he's like, well, I'm thinking about calling the fire brigade. Like, please don't, please don't. We can do it. We can do it. And then he's like, so what's good. your name? Where do you live? Oh, man. That, that walk home was a walk of shame. Felt smelt like smoke. <laughs> Felt so bad. And then I get and home get and home. Dad, yeah. dad just goes, Dad sees me and he's like, Look, I know you've been through a lot. And for your punishment, I'm gonna get you to fill up the wood box. And then Sean's there and he's like, What? That's it? That's <laughs> it? Him, like Sean's him touch the wood box. <laughs> Sean's gonna get the biggest <laughs> you light it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's right. Uh, very good. So, are you boys then? Were you always close as, as, as siblings growing up, or you know, or sometimes you just sort of like I don't know. Shawnee, you said you moved away for school, so that sort of I don't, I don't know. Sort of yeah. Um, or... I think as as young kids we were close, but probably from the age of thirteen to twenty, not really. I lived. There, I moved to Bendigo, went to school up there, 
And the first time we lived together for probably 10 years was over here. So mm. I think we probably got close again once we actually moved to Vietnam and travelled over here a bit. But for many years, we didn't saw each other every six months or so. That's, yeah, a, wow. that's, cool. that's, a, that's a perfect segue to our, uh, our next question. But what exactly brought you guys to Vietnam? Um, why, how, when? Yep. Um, we do you remember Tiger oh, Airways. Yeah. Yeah. Tiger Airways had a big sale, and uh, we, me and a heap of mates, went to buy some cheap flights and go traveling through Asia. And uh, Nick, me and Nathan, were the only ones that actually clicked and it went through. And so <laughs> we ended up traveling through Thailand and Vietnam, and um, yeah, met some good friends on the way. And then we we went with some local friends and went to some of these sort of tribal areas and saw a lot of. Um, I guess some of the poverty that's really here, you don't see it in the cities, but, and sort of got a heart for the people and wanted to somehow, you know, coming from Australia, wanted to help them. And so we, we did a lot of traveling and then uh, NATO, he was working with uh, world vision doing video work. And so doing um, video editing, um, I guess the documentary type stuff they would do. And he had the opportunity to go to Hanoi. And so you can probably tell you about that, but yeah, that's sort of how it started. Yeah. So, uh, we came back and I was working for World Vision Melbourne at the time. And then they said, oh, do you want to go overseas for like an AD? I'm not sure if you guys. Yeah, yep. I think it's called AVID now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. the Australian government sponsors you for a year to be an ambassador. So uh, I was able to go to Hanoi and work with World Vision Hanoi for a year and do their media communications video stuff. So that was a really good experience. And then Shawnee came and lived with me for about three months. Um, and then that would be the first time we got hooked up with the Swannies. Uh, in Hanoi. Well, what would you, what did you boys do before you got onto, before you, and I know, and we'll come back to, it, I know, Bill jogged into Vietnam, but what were you doing pre-Vietnam? That sort of period, as I say, school. Then, you know, that was a period there. Then, sort of the Vietnam bit. You mentioned like, the communications thing. Surely, what were you doing? Uh, I still do a bit of it. it. Was um it was IT, so just like web development was the main thing back then. Um, yeah, yeah right. so that's my background is IT and NATO's is video, and now we do cakes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hand in Makes hand, sense. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. Yeah. And then, and then obviously, as you said, hooked up with the Swannies in Hanoi, but I guess, I guess, again, well, for both of you, and, and again, I'll say I'll start with the big bro first, but Sean, the expectations of when you got to Vietnam, did you have any expectations or did you have any plans or? Well, what was your No, I remember we flew. Go on, sorry, you go. I just remember the first night we got in here. It was a bit of a different world back then. Like uh, you guys would have been travelling probably before us even, but probably 07, I think it was. It wasn't the the world we live where we can see everything before we get in. And I remember we flew in at 10 o'clock at night and uh, we didn't know where we were staying. We didn't know any districts. We just heard something about uh, if you move in or something. just knew. The one road, Bui Vien, he's like, oh, that's where we've got to go. That's where, oh, that's, all <laughs> that's, where, like, all, that's where white people go. You all just, <laughs> everyone just had the Lonely Planet, like, yep. photocopied. And that's yep, what, how you travelled. Yep. <laughs> it was the first time I'd been out of Australia. So it was um, a huge oh, eye-opener. Wow. Um, we flew in and I looked, remember, yeah, we left Jetstar or somewhere, wherever it was. They had those, you know, they tell you about the place you're going to. And I was like, trying to look, where are we going to stay tonight? Man? <laughs> where are we staying? Anyway, we jumped in a van with a heap of other people who didn't know what they were doing. And, uh, yeah, that was welcome to Vietnam. Yeah, so wow. so did you yeah. sign up and for AAD on-site or 
No, in Australia, I applied. And they said, right, mean- they said, right, come across. And you just said to Shawnee, yep. jump on board and uh, just rocked up. Uh, yeah. So this, we'd already we'd already travelled a few times. Um, yeah, like we'd yeah, travelled to Vietnam for a couple for a month or so, and then gone home um, before yep. NATO got the AO position. Okay, yeah, exactly. And yep. so early days, Shawnee, what did you do? Like when he was um, living in Hanoi with me. Yeah, yeah. How did you feel the days? I was just doing the same thing, just doing web design and web ah, development okay, stuff. So online. that's a good thing. Just pull up the laptop in the old Highlands. I think it was about two of them back then. Yeah, it's pretty it just hard to cafe. Rotate and, between the days. This Highlands this day, this Highlands the next. Yeah, that works. That's that's becoming a good option in the future, I think. Um, now, what what were you actually doing with AAD name? Was it was it the video editing or was it something else? Yeah, it was like uh, I was going with because World Vision they have a lot of projects, and then like say uh, Germany. Japan, Australia will sponsor projects in Vietnam. And like the projects are 15 years. So they'll spend five years like planning, five years implementation, and then five years handing over. So it's really empowering the people, not just coming in, hey, here's what you need. And so what I would go is it was awesome because at the end of the projects, I would come and I would do a report. So everyone's talking to me and they're like, oh, thank you, World Vision. And I'm like, I, I just work for them. I'm not World Vision. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but like, I did videos for Germany, Japan, Australia, America, just showing for, to them, this is where your money went. This is the impact you've made. So it was really rewarding. Mm. I wish I spoke more Vietnamese at the time because so many times people are talking to me and I'm just like, oh, yeah, really? really? I had no idea what they're saying. But um, it, was, it was a really great time to be able to travel, especially the north and the central Vietnam. Yep. And, and coming out of that, I had... Uh, project what what was the term of the project how long did it go for one year one year and what what did you do after that you obviously you know kind of weren't ready to go home but yeah well actually i, I went back to bendigo and oh. lived with shawnee for a bit and then um it's, that's actually where my i developed my passion for cooking because i didn't have a job and so sean said look i'll pay if you cook and so i thought oh sweet this is a good deal and so and then like he didn't say anything about dessert so and i really love dessert so i would just think up the like the best dessert and then i got onto cheesecake and so then i just like would adapt okay today i'm doing a mango tomorrow i'm doing a pumpkin i'm doing a caramel so that's actually where i developed you know the the future cheesecake recipes wow let's go that's that's so good so so through those early days what were your what were your initial impressions of, uh, of Vietnam? And I guess given that we're, you know, able to look back a few years in the future, what do you think it was that, that made the place stick? Uh, I'll direct that to Shawnee first. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's so opposite of where we're from. Well, probably all of us, you know, that everything, there's no law here. You just jump on a bike and do what you want. Go where you want, anytime. Um, everything's 24-7. I think it's a big adventure. Until you've lived here for a while, then some of those things become a bit of a headache. But especially initially, um, you know, even Hanoi, around the old lake, you just me and Nate, we just walk on the bikes through the city. Um, Nate, I'll be racing through the city. Like, it was, you know, he needed to settle down a bit, which he did, which is good. He's still alive. But it's an adventure, you know. And Nate? Yeah. 
Uh, I think definitely the connections we made when we first came here, we made some connections with some um, local guys and we kind of through that friendship, we developed a love for the country. And then I also love languages mm. and um, I couldn't learn Thai because I couldn't write it, but I could write Vietnamese. So I really tried my best to learn the language and then that probably helped open up my heart to the country even more, especially going back home and then trying to go to a Vietnamese restaurant and practice my Vietnamese. It was so bad. I was so bad. But the people would be polite and be like, oh, very good. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to learn Mandarin at the moment. You know, I'm an absolute disgrace. It is so hard. (laughs) So hard. So then in terms of from, from this love, I guess, obviously you two then, connected in so in Ho Chi Minh is that right connected uh, in Ho Chi Minh well we connected originally uh, I guess in Hanoi when we lived together and then I moved back to Bendigo and then we moved together uh, with a long term long term plan to Ho Chi Minh oh, wow. and then that's where we, we kind of hit the ground here and we're kind of like what are we doing what are we going to do we had the I was doing design work for Sean's website company so we're able to do kind of remote back home. And then, um, yeah, we just we're trying to figure out what kind of fits. But we definitely, from working at World Vision, I felt that World Vision are doing an awesome job and I really respect the work they're doing. But I didn't really like the how it's donation-based, where I wanted to do more of a business social enterprise where you're able to make money but then also help. So you're not reliant on that donation base. So we were for probably a year kind of just thinking about, okay, what are we going to do? What can we start um, in the city first? And then hopefully eventually we want to move rural because we see the need there. But where where we're at now, how can we get going with a social enterprise? Yeah. What what year was that? What year were we talking when you boys said, Upton just said, stuff you Australia. I'm going back to my love of Vietnam. What year was that? Must be 10, 11 years. I think 10 years, years ago. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then just just landed in Vietnam. I'm, I'm really curious, actually, question for both of you, and I know it's not in our run sheet, Bill, but a question for both of you is how, in, in, in what sort of conversations did the brothers sit down and have back in Bendigo and go, how about we just, both of us, just head to Vietnam, we've got some remote working so I can get some cash in the door, yeah, let's just go to Vietnam and just see what happens. Like, how does that conversation start, or or how does it how does the conversation go with each other? I think it never actually happened. We just no, somehow we were just living here. We were like, yeah, it just right. goes one month, yeah. three months, six months, and then we went home. We went home every six months, and then you know, it just sort of we had an apartment, so you know, we could stay there or not. And uh, yeah. then all of a sudden, I just remember. Hey, Nate, this is home. We live here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing, amazing. That's about right. I don't remember that conversation. It just happened. <laughs> just happened. Hanoi, Saigon. You uh, you started out in Hanoi. Now you guys are, are fairly uh, entrenched in, in the south. I'd love to hear more about the rural expansion plans down the track. But... Uh, why the south in the end? And what was your kind of, what were your findings between the two cities? 
Well, uh, I, me and Sean, if you've, I don't know if you know this about us, but we hate the cold. Like, uh, so when I was, like, that's, obviously that's one aspect and I'm not going to base my whole where I live just off that, but definitely living down Saigon is so much better. Like driving the motorbike in the winter <laughs> up north, mate, like the wind just cuts through you. It's unbelievable. But also uh, I find that people down south, and they say that with warmer climates, the people are more friendly. Um, and also those original people that we did meet, in Vietnam, they're down south as well. Mm. Um, so they're, they're doing some business stuff and we're able to partner with them and, ha- and help to gleam a bit of how to do business in Vietnam. And they really walked us through the first four years of starting up a company. How do you, you work with the government? How do you work with the food and safety? How do you rent, you know? And so I think uh, the north was a great experience and I love like Hanoi in the spring is just beautiful and the old like alleyways and riding the motorbike, it's really fun. But livable, long-term, I think Saigon is the place for me. Surely you afraid of the cold, mate, as well? Like the, like the young oh, look, I'm more afraid of the cold, I think. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess you had a good experience. Yeah. And Bendigo is not, not the warmest place in winter. No, it's not. Uh, Victoria as a whole is not the warmest place in winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get. I guess moving into where you guys or what you what you're into now, because we'll, we'll come, we'll bring, we'll get to that in in part of uh, the show a bit a bit later on. But first business in 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 Vietnam. Can you give us a can you give us a brief description? Was it a combined business between you two brothers, or is it just I don't know individual? You just found jobs locally to then kick things off because. I know, and obviously Bill and I were talking about this the other day in terms of doing business in Vietnam. It's not necessarily the most easiest place to do to do business, let's say. Um, so, you know, uh, so could you give us some insights and, and, and some of the concerns that you guys had doing business, let alone a foreign country, but, you know, somewhere like, like a Vietnam? Shawnee? Uh, we, our first business here was actually doing export of printing. So we, we printed... And we did banners and then we would uh, air freight them back to Australia and then uh, <laughs> reship them out in Australia. And it was, it was somewhat viable. We needed to set up our own print shop, but um, that was our first business where we were trying to work out what we actually wanted to do here. Um, and so we're, while we were doing that, we're thinking, what's all the, we wanted to help people. That was the ultimate thing. Um, I didn't come to Vietnam to make money. Probably do that back in Australia. But um, we wanted to be able to use our skills and create business to try and help people that didn't have the opportunity or the, um, I guess, the ideas to do that. And so we were thinking about things before Grab, we're like, well, maybe motorbike taxis, but then you'd have to go big and just try to think about different ideas. And then Nathan would just sneak off each day and start cooking cheesecakes. And I, um, I ripped into him and said, mate, he, he started selling them just to like friends and stuff or to like a friend had a little cafe and he's selling them. I'm like, mate, what are you making 50 cents an hour to make cheesecakes? Like, you know, and, um, remember that night? Yeah. And I would, I would go deliver them myself. So I'd, I'd sneak off in the afternoon from the print shop, uh, from the office and then, uh, go deliver them myself just like one cake a week or maybe two, sometimes two cakes a week. And then Sean's just having a go at me. I'm like, oh, it's all right, man. It's just fun, you know. And then 
one day we go back. We went back for Christmas. We usually went back for a month or so. And then uh, the employee that was, we had one employee for our printing company. And so I taught him how to make cakes. And then he like, he was like really good at it. Like it was like a hidden talent. And so when we're back there, he started getting way more sales. And then I come back here, I'm like, wow, this is good. Like you teach someone how to do it and then you don't have to do it anymore. Like, and so, because we had a printing company, we're like, oh, we might as well print stuff. So we put up a logo, made a box and everything. And then one day, we kind of just looked at each other and were like, maybe this is that model that we've been searching for. Like it's a bit random, two Aussie guys in a cheesecake shop. We just got to make sure they know we're brothers. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was it was a good time. And um, yeah, that's how cheesecake, cheesecake on, cheesecake delicious started. You must have like, you must have some great business stories though, in terms of like, you know. The sort of that reality check of, oh, how can that guy not know? Like, you know, like versus in Australia, yet clear, this is the brief, go and do this. Versus, I'm thinking, hang on, I've just told you, mate, just go deliver this cake or put these ingredients in here and make surely you must have some great, some great <laughs> stories around what's happened there, mate, surely. There was this one customer, like we just started and there's like a buzz around the shop and people were getting press and this girl comes in. And she buys like the big slice and I'm like, I serve it to her and I'm like, enjoy. And then she goes, can I have some more cream? And I'm like, okay, no worries. And then she's eating it. She's like, can I have some more cream? I'm like, this is weird. And then like she leaves half the slice there. I'm like, what's the go? And then I test the cake and it turns out we forgot to put sugar in like this whole batch. (laughs) So she's eating cheesecake. Without any sugar, it must have been so salty, and I was just like, "Oh my oh. goodness, oh no!" So that was uh, that was pretty bad. And then another time, the delivery guy—he was a nice kid, but just no idea. Like one of those kids is probably super smart, but like practical smart, not so good. And um, we used to have that little tub, so you put the motorbike down, you put the tub to deliver on, and then it, off you'd go. And so he brings the cake out, puts the cake like on the side, puts the tub on, away he goes. I go outside, see this cake just sitting outside. I'm like, what the goat? Where's the delivery guy? And he's driven all the way there, called the customer, opened up his tub, and he's realized he didn't even grab the cake. <laughs> so I had to quickly run it over to him. But uh, uh, there's plenty of stories, but um, it's been fun. Like, as long as you, you realize the pressure isn't real, you know, and you just laugh it off, it's, it's good. It's good times. That's a good way to look at the pressure, isn't real? Yeah, that's actually in Vietnam. It's a very good way to, to have that mentality, I reckon. So um, that makes me wonder, over, over all this time, have there been any, um, any real standout challenges? And, and one more question I'll just I'll connect to that. If you were to give somebody, I guess, post-COVID who was coming to Vietnam and wanting to set up a business, what advice would you give them from these challenges that you've had to overcome? Um, we're in the F&B, so we're selling cakes, bagels and all that sort of stuff. I think one of the challenges that we had very early on, um, was that Vietnamese like Vietnamese food. And I think a lot of companies have come to Vietnam and looked at every other country around and yep. thought we're going to get in early. And a lot of them got in too early. I think, I think Vietnam now is changing. It's palate's changing. Um, it's definitely developed in the last few years, which you guys would attest to as far as 
eating out and Vietnamese eating out. But I think early on, we people didn't know what cheesecake was. And so it was sometimes they would be telling us that it didn't taste right, even though they'd never eaten it before. <laughs> but um, I think that's one of the big challenges is looking at the market and understanding what the people like. And other countries may have been successful in that, but you've got to, I guess, just find your place in the market. Um, Nato, what do you have on that? Yeah, I think an interesting thing that I've, I've, we've realized pretty early on was with training staff is, uh, and if you've seen those those kind of animations, it's got this animation, like a, a Chinese-German girl did it, but they showed the difference between West and East and like a big, for a boss, she put like this massive boss and then all these tiny employees, which is kind of the Vietnamese way of the bosses up there and we're all down here. But Western style is kind of the boss is just a little bit higher. So we came into our company with that kind of model that we're just, we're your friend, but you still got to respect us and we still know what to do and stuff. But the interesting thing is we found that all our best staff after a while, after empowering them, they started to think they were higher than us. And then they're telling me, hey, boss, go deliver the cake. And I'm like, what, 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 what's happening here? Like, why don't you respect me anymore? And I realized they've never grown up with the culture like we do. We, we have this like unwritten law, what to say to the boss and what not to say to the boss. Like, it's just in our culture. But for them, when the boss comes down, like, what do we do? And so dealing with that, I guess, rebellion or thinking we know what's right. Um, luckily, Sean and I, we had the wisdom not to fire them on the spot. We kind of sit them down and say, hey, let's just remember, let's just remember the last two years of what we have done, what we've sacrificed to get you this job. And hey, we've given you this opportunity because of this. And then after that, they come back down and they're loyal. They just like the best staff you've got. So that curve, I think for a lot of people, if you're not ready for it, you would just fire them. And you'd be like, oh, these Vietnamese, you give them all this stuff and then they just think they're better than you. They think they know what they're doing. Blah, blah. So I think that's a massive learning curve uh, that we've had. And then whenever it comes, whenever I see the good staff become, I'm like, hey, hey, let's have a chat. And then uh, let's remember who I am, what I've done, what you are and why I'm in this position, you're in that position. And um yeah, it, it's really helped us with the dynamics of the company and staff. Yeah, that, that's a really good insight, though, in terms of to, because, it, it, you know, that, that as you say, there's been a couple of comments where oh, you've got the, the Western white privilege, you know, you're coming into my country and, you know, you've got this background and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's a real different dynamic in terms of how you treat them but then also help educate them from, as I say, I get where they're coming from, but they need to actually understand that side as well. But then to that point, we've got to understand where they're coming from as well, right, to then find that harmony and balance. And I've had a similar similar type thing, again, when my time was in Vietnam, but maybe, again, I don't know, sort of a, a quite a corporate environment, versus a, 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 an SME environment, so to speak. So a little bit different. And we also know how, you know, the, the 13 month salary and then tech comes around and, you know, the ability to sort of jump, jump, jump. If you want to jump, 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 you can do it pretty quickly in Vietnam because there's, there's, there's no shortage of employment for, for the Vietnamese. 
Um, so I think it's really, it's a really good insult, actually. It really is. Um, but I think also, I guess, the advantage, and again, Sean, I don't, I'm not sure where you are on this. I know where Nate is, but I'm not sure where you see. But in terms of, because Nate's already sort of confessed to his love of languages and learning languages, where do you sit, Nate? Oh, sorry, Shawnee, on the on the language barometer, because I know having heard Nate speak very well from a football uh, uh, point of view in helping me when I was coaching over there and teaching the, the local Vietnamese is really, really helpful. How do you go, Shawnee? Uh, look, it depends who you ask. Uh, if you ask NATO, I'm rubbish. If you ask uh, a Vietnamese person, they'll say I'm awesome. In yeah, comparison yeah. to most other foreigners, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I can understand yeah. most. I can communicate. I can. Uh, NATO's probably a good judge of where I'm at, but I, I haven't actually taken any lessons. I've only learnt by listening to him speak. Um, I like to think I'm better than my wife at Vietnamese. Um, <laughs> Just for those listening, Sean's wife is Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she, she was born here, and so she's at about a maybe seven, eight-year-old level, and then she yeah, grew up in the state. Yeah. So we often like to tell her what words to say, and so I think I'm pretty good if I'm at that level. But um, yeah, Nado's. He's so you've actually no, no no formal lessons, sure. I took one when I was in Hanoi, uh, off Nathan's teacher, and I just realised when you've been programming all day, I just didn't have the capacity to go and learn a lesson. Uh, have a lesson yeah. to a language at night. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, I think if you try, you can learn. It's just, you've really yeah. got to try and be in that environment. And I think yeah, I... Uh, having me around, it, it kind of somehow someone uh, speaking the second language, like he can understand me. Like, Sean, I'll be talking to a Vietnamese yeah. person and Sean won't understand that person, but he'll understand me 100%, my Vietnamese. And so, having that familiarity and then he would just ask in business, he would ask, oh, what's that word? What's that word? And just that, I guess it's a passive uh, wanting to learn because it's so easy to just go, oh, it's too difficult. I don't I don't understand anything. But Sean, you know, he used his energy to try and understand. His, his pronunciation is pretty bad. Like he's like, <laughs> you know, you want fly light? You want fly light? I give you fly light. You're like, that's, that's what he sounds like in Vietnamese. But the... People understand it and uh, he can understand them. So that's important. But he's still not confident to answer the phone. He's still just like, hey, Nate, someone's on the phone. Someone's on. I'm like, mate, you speak Vietnamese. I don't speak Vietnamese. I don't, I don't understand that. I'm like, oh, you did just a minute ago, didn't you? <laughs> what about you, Nate? How long did it take? Like you've obviously had some a lot of, a lot of lessons. How long did it take you to sort of – where are you at? Because you're pretty fluent though. So is yeah. that three years, two years, what – it's, it's Viet, Vietnamese is a funny language because I most people like when you're learning Spanish or French or something you understand a lot more than you can say, and then it, it catches up. But Vietnamese, I was definitely speaking much more than I understood because like people are talking to me, and so I would be having these conversations and I have no idea what they're saying, but I would just be asking the questions, and so they think I'm fluent, but I yeah. don't understand anything they're saying. I'm just asking questions and going, oh really? That's interesting. Next question. So about about a, maybe a year into it, I realized that I could learn words in the language. And I feel like if, if you can say to someone in the language, what's that mean? And they explain it to you and you can learn a new word. Wow. That's kind of when you've hit this level where you're like, oh, I can just keep going. So yeah. probably yeah. the year mark was when I started to be like, oh, I'm 
getting a grip, but then three years in, like more of a, I would say I was at a fluency level and now I've been here 10 years. So, um, yeah, like I live with the two Vietnamese guys here and we just talk Vietnamese all day. So as long as I understand the topic that we're talking about, um, I'm, and I translate occasionally when I need to, I pro I definitely have an accent, but, uh, yeah, I, I can get around, you know, you know what, Nate, I've, I've been, um, staying out of the city for a few months. So staying with, with the in-laws and family out here. So I have actually, you know, had a fair bit of time to try and bumble my way through. And I, I feel like I'd go back to the city and my Vietnamese might have improved without me knowing it directly. Um, but how, did you have any tricks or um, methods for remembering things? It's funny, the way you just said, uh, once you can ask what things are, A, it helps you conversate. I do exactly the same thing. It helps your conversation carry on. You get through an awkward patch by saying, can I allow you? It means that you don't know. So they realize you don't know. They don't just keep talking at you and getting frustrated when you can't answer. But then I see with my father-in-law, the next day when I come back to the same item and say, can I allow you? <laughs> you can see his eyes roll a little bit. So have you got any, <laughs> have you got any tricks for taking this? Once I can ask people what things are, but I can't, I can't stick it. Or I can, but it just takes me a very long time. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's, it, it's got to be one of the harder languages to learn, um, especially hearing and speaking. Um, and the Vietnamese are very bad at yeah. trying to understand bad Vietnamese. Like yeah. I learned Mandarin for a little bit there and I was, I knew I was butchering it, but they understood me. And I'm yeah. like, wow, mm. like in Vietnam, if you say just a little bit off, they're like, yeah. I don't know what street you're talking about. I'm like, mate, there's one, it's Bar Tung High. There's yeah. only like one street, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but I think definitely there's, there's a hump that first three months of learning Vietnamese, you don't understand anything. No one understands you. And that's probably why most people just give it up because there's three months of no growth and then you you come. Definitely learning the alphabet, need to learn the alphabet because then uh, you can self-learn at home. You can read any word and learn it. You can just type it into the dictionary and then say it. Um, and then what I would do, I'm pretty, I guess I'm pretty hardcore in the language learning, but I would write down all my new words. Then at nighttime, I would have a flashcard with it in English, then in Vietnamese. Then I'd go through all of them, learn them again, then go through in Vietnamese and then say the English and then go through in English and say the Vietnamese. And so obviously practicing is the main thing. Like you can go yeah. to class. I know people that have been learning Vietnamese apparently for five years and they can't say anything because they never use it. Yeah. So it's when you have those awkward moments with your father-in-law or stuff like that where you remember, oh, that's the name. I remember I asked him 10 times and nearly hit me with it. That's the name. Like you have these memories that cause it, the words to be in your memory, if you know what I mean. Yep. Nathan's yeah, no, not that's... your average person either, though. Just to, just to <laughs> give everyone else. Just a dead bit of brotherly yeah, love there, just to bring him down. Just a little clip there. Sean, keep going. Where's this going? <laughs> Nathan, he's actually dyslexic in English, if you know Nathan. He can't spell. Um, wow. But he can spell in Vietnamese. Which is ridiculous. So he's in sometimes he's better in Vietnamese than he's in English. Single syllables. It's like it's so embarrassing sometimes because I don't know how to spell it in English. So I'll go to Google Translate and I'll type it in Vietnamese, and then I'll get the spelling in English, and now I know the spelling. Yeah. It's so much easier uh, to uh, 
to write. Yeah. yeah. I think also those language skills, because as we know, our, our Vietnamese, as, as we know, they're very dear friends to many of us, but they also do like to put a little bit of mayo on top of things uh, in terms of if you're negotiating like a, a rental deal or a yeah. business deal or something like that. So, so I think you certainly probably would have, as I say, shocked a few landlords or shocked a few suppliers, you guys with your Vietnamese when they're trying to sort of cut a deal with you, I guess. You probably have, you know, so a couple of, a couple of stories around that. Yeah, I, I, I reckon the funnest thing for me was when I'd deliver cakes and then I would call the customer and I'd try to be Vietnamese. So I'd just try and use the words that I know and try really to have a smooth accent and people would come downstairs and they're just looking around <laughs> it's me and i'm just sitting there and then i'm just like mate for mine or and they're like what was i talking to you on the phone what, what? like that's, that's a, impossible that's always a fun uh a fun thing to do um but that's uh, so good so good so good so moving into the into the next as i say we've touched on it a couple of times but in terms of the current, and I, and I dare say, I was going to say business, but I think I should be saying businesses set up um, for Cheesecake Norman and Bagel Brothers. Where, where are we? We've got a couple of websites there that we'll put in the show notes. Billy will do that. But, um, yeah, Shawnee, give us the, the, the latest and greatest on where the business is at, and then um, we'll get some, some additional insight from Nate. Uh, well, I think it's along with a lot of other businesses in this area, we're on pause pretty much. Um, luckily, we do yeah. sell bagels and that's bread, which is an essential. So thankfully, we're supplying everyone, including Nathan, supplying me with some uh, something other than rice. So I've got the bagels <laughs> and uh, some uh, burger buns and all donuts, brownies. Um, so we're able to do that. But at the moment, yeah, it's been three months. We've just had to pause everything. So, uh, yeah. But we are in Taldian in uh in, in uh district two in saigon and a little uh place to be with all the food and everything else you want so yeah yeah how long has the business been up and running when it, so when did cheese non cheesecake non open when, when did that and then bagel brothers I, i'm not too familiar with myself to be honest so can you give us a bit more uh, i think um, we started probably involved? seven years ago probably started seven years ago on the cheesecake and uh, we've been all over the city, moving to different locations as with rental and everything else. This is probably you know, one of the challenges here. Um, and Bagel Brothers, probably two years, Nato? Two or three yeah, years. Probably, so, um, yeah, two or three years. Um, yeah, we, we, the cheesecake, we just, we started off with uh, just one flavor, and then you, you add on, you add on, and then we started doing a bit of wholesale retail obviously and um we were always just thinking like what are we going to eat for lunch like there was a cult like it's just a common problem yeah. oh yeah occasionally you do your vietnamese meal but we we finally we thought oh, why don't we just make our own lunch so we're making focaccias um like just getting the making the bread and then we're like we had an american friend and he said oh you got to try a bagel i'm like what what's like what's a bagel so we went to dunkin donuts that's the only place that sold a bagel and we had a bagel I'm like oh this is all right you know i guess and then we just started making our own bagels and um when we 
Well, in District 3, and we weren't selling many at all because Vietnamese are like, this is an expensive bun me, you know, like why would yeah. I buy this? But when yeah. we moved to Taudian, it just really took off, um, especially I think with the kind of the English, South African, Australian, New Zealand crowd, like we really mm. like a good sandwich, you know, and so we're able to do the chicken avocado on a bagel. Like I think anyone from England, South Africa, Australia, you've already sold them. So we did really well and then um, just did takeaway when uh, if everyone remembers Vietnam MM, I was yeah. delivering all the Vietnam oh, MM deliveries um, and then we opened up our first store um, just on the main Taudian strip and just been going strength to strength until COVID and then everything just froze over. And then uh, hopefully once we dethaw, we'll be able to keep going. But uh, yeah, it's been a good journey. That's that's a great. What 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 sort of? And again, you know, talking to different people, whether it be Australia or even here in Taiwan, right? You know, in terms of the, this coming out stage, you know, because it will pass, right? Um, but I guess you know, what's the sort of vision, I suppose, for the businesses um, post COVID or, or beyond COVID? Yeah, we're talking. Is there a bigger plan, three to five years, Sean? Uh, yeah, I guess with the Cheesecake Dome, we've always had the the vision that it is for the staff and we would like to do what we termed, we'll see, hopefully we get to this stage, but like a um, micro-franchise type model where we can set up more companies around the city as the city can support more cheesecake shops and allow our managers to then become owners. So that's the vision for the Cheesecake Shop is that we want to, um, yeah, do that. And do it well, but as anyone knows in business, um, you're competing and it's not easy and it takes a long time to build a strong brand and to build strong staff. Mm. But we're finally, after probably five or six years, getting to a point where we can look to fulfil that vision that we had years and years ago. Um, Bagel Brothers, I guess for us personally, we just want more variation of food within our daily life. Yep. And so we'll, we'll continue to expand that. Um, and it is at the moment, it, it's definitely more of a foreign food. So we'll probably have to have our foreign client uh, customers, but uh, probably hopefully we can do that branching also into the Vietnamese market with the bagels. So anything else on that, Nato? Uh, well, like if you've ever seen us before a football game, especially a couple of years ago, we would be smashing two Macca's burgers um before we'd run out on the field so burgers is definitely a love of me and sean and uh we we eat we eat too many burgers but um definitely i see for the future branching into burgers um and also donuts but uh yeah definitely the model with the cheesecake shop is we want the staff that we've got at the moment to be trained up and then they will become owners of like a franchise um, and so we yeah. really see that that will, we, the idea is it's called um, micro franchising. So not just micro financing, but micro franchising where you give them a successful business model and we will cover the marketing, the kind of the entrepreneurial side. They've just got to manage it well, yeah. run it well and be a good boss. And hopefully we've trained them to be a good boss. And then the sky's the limit. And uh, Sean's always said that he wants uh, our employees to be able to, live in the same apartment as we live in, that their salary is enough that they would be able to have the standard of living we do. And so um, I think, yeah, we're slowly getting there. It's, a, it, it's so funny thinking seven years ago, six years ago, looking at the vision 
and thinking, wow, yeah, we'll get there somehow. And now finally we're so close. And then stupid COVID comes in <laughs> and just like yeah. knocks all of our savings out, knocks everything out. And he's like, yeah. all right, let's just start from ground yeah. level. But it, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, some incredible stuff there. I want to move on to a new topic, squarely focusing on you here, Shawnee. The lovely Lee. So can you, you were married in 2020, if I'm correct? Uh, last yes, year. we were. Yeah. So yep, how, did you, how, did, how did you guys meet first? Uh, we met through a mutual friend, American friend. So Lee, when she came back to Vietnam, so she left here when she was either seven or eight and then grew up and lived her life in California. And then her dad stayed here and she, she came back um to to rebuild that relationship with him and she was helping with a american friend who had a organization to uh, anti-human trafficking so lisa she's a school counselor and so she's working in that area going to the remote places and translating and nathan and i help run an english club so we we have one night a week that we give up to to teach english to to local vietnamese and um our mutual friend said hey lee you should go help and and meet these guys and so through that we we met and uh, yeah, a year later or a year and a half later. Now the funny history. thing is, yeah, Nate. The, the funny thing is, they met at our cheesecake shop, and ah. then um, when they got married, like they'd booked the reception, but because of COVID, they couldn't use the reception. So the only place we had was a cheesecake shop. So the place that they met is where they got married. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> that is good. That is a great story. How do you go, Shawnee? You know, from a, from a, with that with a family perspective, and I guess the Vietnamese the Vietnamese ways of life. But I guess you've lived in Vietnam long enough, and probably been to a few weddings that you sort of have the ability to adapt pretty quickly to those sort of that other side of the family. Mm. Bit like bit, bit like Bill to some degree, although you know Bill's Bill's just a few beers with the in laws and out he goes and, and away. Um, how have you found it, Sean? Um, yeah, I think thankfully, uh, Lee, she loves Western food. She grew up on Western food. So we, yeah. one of the, the big things for me is I, I don't mind Vietnamese food, but it's definitely not my favorite food in the world. Um, I wish it was yeah. because it's, I do like Vietnamese food, but it's, yeah. So well, that, that's one of the things that, that, uh, is great that we, we both love both foods, I guess. Um, family wise, her dad's here. And so before we got married, I did the, you know, the Western thing. I went and caught up with him, met with him, spoke to him in Vietnamese and asked him for a hand in marriage. You know, that's what we do. And so the funny thing is that he thought I was interviewing him to see if, uh, like, I want to be a part of this family. And she's like, he's, he's called Lee up later and gone and said, yeah, look, I think I did a good job. Um, <laughs> I did my best. You know, I think he, he, sees, he, wants, he, wants, he wants to be asked to be a part of his family type thing. So, it was the complete opposite of what I was uh, doing. I was asking him, but he thought it was the opposite. So, um, yeah, good. yeah, it's good to be able to communicate <laughs> with him. Now, that's a that's a um, still a challenge because even she can't understand sometimes. But you know, to be able to speak the language is a, is a big thing at that point. Yeah, yeah, no, true, true, true. Hundred percent. I was actually told before I came here that don't show your face around here unless you're um, you're willing to see it through. So you've, you've got one last chance to jump out of the bus five, five minutes up the road. No, no one's going to think any less of you, but once you show your face, there's a bit of an expectation that, that yeah, this is happening. Um, yeah. 
And so here we are. Now, finally, uh, on to the Swans. Obviously a key topic for, uh, for today's chat. But um, how did you boys first get involved? Who was it that you first came across? And, and yeah, how did it all come about? I, I think I, I don't, it's like a long time ago, so I don't, it's not 100% <laughs> clear. But like on the new Hanoian, in Hanoi, there's like a like an expat kind of page. Someone said about AFL, and um, the southern the southern team was coming up to the north to play. Yep. And so we had a training session, and um, we we couldn't find a ground, so we ended up going to the embassy and training on the tennis court. And so we're just running around kicking the football on the tennis court, like I don't know, ten people. Yep. And they're, they're like, hey, guys, the Southern team, like they're really good. Like they train every week. They play every week. I'd never met any of these guys. We'd never played together and we're training on a on a tennis court. And then they go, hey, um, so me and Sean are like, yeah, sweet. Yeah, we're good. We're good to go. And then they go, oh, they got this one player, Dukesy. He's like unbelievable. Yeah. We've got to shut him down. And from playing under-18s and playing number ones uh, first, like I was always the tagger. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll tag yeah. him. No worries. And then we come out uh, and we're playing at that field that's kind of near the West Lake on the, U- on the left Units, there. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was there. Terrible day. And um, <laughs> so we're thinking we're just going to get spanked. And so I'm, I, I'm like, who's this Dukesy guy? Where is he? And so I line up on Dukesy. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was just it was just a great day of footy. Uh, I I shut down Dukesy and then Shawnee just out of the center on his left foot just bombed it down forward the whole time. But I do remember one time I tackled just some guy I don't know who he was and I think I was wearing like borrowed boots and my shoe came off and he he I tackled him and he stands up grabs my shoe that came off and throws it out of bounds and I'm just looking at him like. <laughs> What's wrong what with the it? hell, man? Like, so I went and ran and put on my boot and ran off. And then when we're having beers at the end of the game, it turns out he's the president of the South. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry to that guy. I threw the boot out of bounds. Yeah, that was, yeah, my bad. <laughs> I think to be fair, I'd have to double check, but I think that might have been the coach of the South. Um, oh, the coach, was it? Big yeah, Josh. It could, I wouldn't rule it out being Des either, who was recently put in our, our Hall of Fame. But um, I think it might have been Josh, but I can't be 100%. Yeah, I think it was. Sure. And then so, so we got you, that. Yeah, we won. The North yep. won. Yeah, it was unbelievable. <laughs> You'd hate that, Bill. Now, from you guys playing then that first game, how long would it be, how long would it have been between you'd actually played a game of footy or you're playing footy back in Oz? Yeah, it would have been a uh, year. A year, yeah. Yeah, okay, so not, not not too long, not too long. So then I guess it gets to your, your first impressions of playing footy in Asia. Yeah, it's it good fun. Like, I, we love football. Like, it's our number one sport. Um, and to be able to play it over here without having to go to training on Tuesday night, Thursday night, um, yeah. like, oh, it's just, I think it's the best. Like, in back home... It's like, you know, you have to go Tuesday, you have to go Thursday, and then Friday and then Sunday, everyone's like, we've got to win, boys. If we don't win, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Asian footy, it's still a, everyone matches up with your, your skill levels. You have a run. And I, I think it's just like, the, it's how football is meant to be played. 
Shawnee, Shawnee, are you sort of nodding? <laughs> yeah, no, I loved it. It was awesome. We just went out there, the underdogs, and we uh, we beat the South. They came up. We were a little bit, little bit cocky when they came in. I remember. Yep. And then uh, somehow, I don't know how we did it. We we won. And so that was, that was a great introduction to the Swannies, and also to just play footy in Asia. And they said the pressure of playing footy back home is very different. The pace, everything, and obviously the skill level is completely different. So you're playing for fun, and that's what we even say to the guys when we, you know, if it's not fun, then you wouldn't do it over here. Back home, it's, you know, even you get paid and things like that. But here, it really is. It's enjoyable, and you just love uh, getting out there and playing footy. All right, boys, I just want to, I'm, I'm just following up on just what you talked about then being fun. It would be fair to say that in my time at the Swans, and Billy might be able to back me up here, but you two boys have definitely got the white line fever sorted between the two of you. Unquestionably, the white line fever sorted. So so in terms of balancing that out, where does that side of that sort of white line fever, and for those that don't understand what, what white line fever is, they're listening to the pod, basically when you cross that white line on the football field, that mild-mannered Sean and Nathan Milner become basically hunters. So uh, hunters for the pill, for the football, but also hunters for the body. And I remember, I recall Nathan kindly put me into the fence one game in Bungtow, one Anzac Day, Anzac Day game we were playing. I thought, oh, Jesus God, he is, he is as mad as a cut snake <laughs> on, the footy, on the footy field. <laughs> where, where the hell has this come from? And, and talk me through. You know, um, yeah, is it backyard competitive with the brothers or, or where does it come from? Anyone, I, I don't think, care who goes first. I think uh, maybe it's just our local club uh, at Lansfield, <laughs> but I feel like <clears throat> like the culture of Australian football, as I know, is you give 110% for your team and you always the one percenters. You block, you shepherd, you talk, and you hit the guy as hard as you can fairly. Like, we're never a dirty club. Um, and so that's where I see it. And that's why I will, if, if I'm running out, I, I, I did learn later on to not hit the hard, the big, the old guys hard. But when I was first playing, I would just hit everyone because I'm like, we're playing football. Until I realized, oh, wait a minute, we're not playing one's football, we're playing Asian football. Until I, I decked, I sling tackled some old guy and he's just like, ease up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it took me about five minutes to process it as I'm running. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like I was just so yeah. – it, but it's definitely that that culture that we had of you give 110% and I don't care if you've got a broken leg, you keep going and you protect your mates, you hit the ball hard. And so that's where we carried on. And then if you're playing your brother, there's no limit. You just <laughs> like just... – <laughs> Shawnee, uh, we have. I have seen that. I have seen that as well. So, but I, I'm really curious. To, and I said, Shawnee here. I think he's more of the the more mild and mannered. I would say on the on. And again, there's there's not much between the two of you, though. Yeah, look, I think that's the same for me. I'd say it's a local footy club. We had a really good footy club, Lansfield. It was like a community family. Um, and if you didn't give 100, percent get off. It's as simple as that. Any time of the game, they would take you off. Even if you're the best player, if they see you're not giving 100%, they'll bench you. 
And so I think that's the culture that we see as Aussie rules. That's Aussie rules. If you don't give 100%, then don't play. Um, and we love giving 100%. It, like it's the one time in life where you can hit someone as hard as you can, barely. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're not going to put them in hospital, but, you know, it's just you let, let that aggression out. And I think we've all got it in us and we love footy for that reason. That's why we're not playing soccer. You know, you can just run through anyone you want at any time, as long as it's fair. Um, and that's that's why I've got broken legs and knees and everything, <laughs> elbows and everything else. Um, I wasn't built for this stupid game, but I do love it. And my mom tells me, stop playing that stupid game. You won't be able to play with your kids. Um, but we're still going. Here <laughs> in Asia, we can play until we can't walk. That's right. Um, so I want to... Um... I want to get one from each of you on this. So whoever jumps in first gets the, uh, the first crack. But uh, what would be your best on-field memories with the Swans? Um, I'll go first so I don't know if doesn't take it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, I, Anzac Day by far for me is, um, is the best memory I have of playing for the Swannies and probably that draw that we had with Indonesia where we just – yeah. Like Anzac Day is Anzac Day. You're not playing just a game of football. We're not just playing in Asia, but we're representing something more than ourselves. And it's the spirit of Anzac Day that you are not playing for yourself. You're playing to put your body on the line. And that game was hard and it was very hard continually. It was broken bones. You you two were, what did you have, Billy? Down the doctor. Uh, Teeth through the lips, yeah. And then NATO, I was stitching him up on the bus on the way home, <laughs> just getting these cherry strips in the bump in the way home from Town. Um, yeah. For me, that game, even though we drawed, that was that was footy. You just lay everything out. You put every shepherd down, the dust, um, yeah. and playing with some ex-AFL players and getting fronting up to um, one of those boys. I remember because he needed to be settled down a little bit. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was good fun. So I think for me, that one. Tough Nato. Act, Nate. Ah, Nato. Uh, best on field. Uh, look, I, I, a few times, me and Shawnee, we've been, uh, we've had to, we've been with work or whatever. We haven't been able to get to training for a bit. And um, Anzac rolls around and uh, we're happy to put up our hand for the other team. And so, uh Anzac Day is one of those fun days, but it's, it was, uh, I think we were playing for Thailand um, on Anzac Day, and uh, that was really fun. Uh, there, I think, I think uh, Oscar had just joined the team, and, the, and I got manned up on Oscar in the forward line, and um, I didn't know who this young kid was, but I wasn't going to let him beat me. And, uh, yeah, it was good fun. Now that, now that I remember that, I'm like, I don't know how I even – stopped him from marking the ball like but somehow uh he only scored a couple goals on me but uh just yeah like sean says anzac day and um talking to the diggers before the community around there and been able to honor the past soldiers and uh yeah it's it's definitely the highlight and whoever thought it up or and been able to play on that ground it's just so much so much meaning and uh, it's really awesome any any overseas trips that you boys have been on that that sort of you know ring any bells in terms of some some good memories as well, or even I guess overseas, even on the buses to Cambodia. Any any trips like that that sort of any any highlights that 
that may stand out? Um, yeah, I think they all, they somehow they all mash into one after all the years. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just can't remember which one's which. Um, look, it is, it's an, it's an awesome experience to be able to all travel overseas together to play footy and you're getting off in Bangkok and then you're catching up or you're getting off the bus in Cambodia. Yeah. Um, the Manila Cup was always a good one. I love that. The Manila Cup, that was always a good time. Um, I don't know. I, I can't. I I think for me, favorites as well. Uh, probably the Cannonball Run. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, like we're on the way to the ground, and everyone's like, "Where's Dan?" And we hadn't seen Dan all night. And then somehow he met us at the ground, and I think we won, or you know, we went all to the pool, and then somehow we were at some bar, and I was with Billy and Kyle, and there was a a shark. Shark uh, yeah. suit. The, bar, the bar's called the Sharky. That's uh, pretty, pretty okay. well known to, to the rest of our squad. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's like <laughs> we've, first we've time. got VIP cards. I'm, I'm just drinking my Red Bulls. Everyone's getting smashed. And then uh, I'm doing the robot with the shark. Yeah. That was a good memory. Good I remember memory that. Really. Looking across at the shark suit and going, look, even the shark's getting into it. And like dancing with the shark for a little while and then getting a little bit more carried away and ripping the shark's head off. And then being like, what? What's Nate doing here? What? <laughs> Just being completely confused. It was, it was a magical moment. Uh, speaking of memories, I reckon Nate talking about the game against Thailand on, on Anzac Day, I'm pretty sure that was the game he threw me into the fence. But anyway, yeah. that's, for, that's, for another, that's for another time. Um, now, this is, this is an interesting this next one. I was watching... Uh, Richmond social media feed the other week and 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 Basha Hooley got up and started talking about like announcing his retirement. I think first of all he said he got a new three three year deal. Uh, that, that that made a few guys laugh in the room. But then he said he he'd actually re- retired. And then he talked about different things about his own uh, personal culture and and um, uh, different ways of living that he had from the rest of the group. And it got me thinking about you boys, you know, because we, well, Billy and I, we talked about who's coming up and who we've got coming up, et cetera. Um, and then it got me sort of, as I say, thinking about you boys and and in terms of now, I'm not now, I'm going to just go on here and Billy can, call, can can pull me up. But in terms of the drinking side of it and the club and, you know, as I say, a lot of drinking goes on in Vietnam and you guys, as I say, not necessarily partaking in a lot of that, which is totally okay, totally, totally fine. How have you found or sort of sort of fitting in amongst that? Have you set any problems with that from your side of things, or you're quite happy with the way that all, all works? Because for me, I think it's it's that's what helps from a from a club perspective in terms of accepting people for for who they are. So so I'm just curious to, to get your thoughts on that. Well, I'll jump in first on that one because that that was actually what it might have been picked up earlier, but that's what made Nace. Uh... I think that's what made the sharky moment that that unique. The genuine shock that it was, it was getting it was getting pretty uh, far into the night by that stage. So you'd had a few Red Bulls. Anyway, I'll, I'll let you boys answer for yourselves. Um, yeah, I guess I, I personally I um I used to love a beer, and then I guess working back in Australia just around the drinking thing, um, 
working with in the church with uh, alcoholics and like ex-alcoholics yeah. and addicts and stuff like that. It was just a decision I had to make to, I just couldn't have it available and things like that. So um, I guess in, as far as culture, we're Aussies, you know, it's not, you know, hanging out with people and drinking is not, not a, it's not a, uh, I don't know, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, a, not a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's like, you no. Know? Obviously, you know, uh, like when we go to Patea or something like that and uh, everyone's like, we're going out, I'm like, all right, see you boys, have a good night. But the, the, I think the culture now for the club, especially having the girls come in, it's really um, a great inclusive culture. And at the start, maybe when I was young, and I was a bit like, you know, I didn't know who I was and, I'm trying to fit in, but not really fit in or whatever. And it was a bit of a boys club. But now yeah. I think having that balance of the girls has really created a nice atmosphere. And we, like just after before COVID, we'd all go down to the beer hoy. Me and Shawnee would be drinking our Sprites or Cokes and everyone's drinking. Like it, And it was it was a social thing and it's, it's no worries. Um, I do remember one time in Malaysia, I got best on. And then, and then like obviously you have to skull. And so they're yeah. like, and uh, yeah, no, no, you got it. And then Billy just goes, yeah, he doesn't drink. And Billy walks up there and skulls it for me. <laughs> I really appreciate that, Billy. That's, that's just been a good teammate, always. Uh, not Self-worth. if the twist builds up too much just to get up there. Oh, no, I've got snake. I've got, I've got, I've got a couple of yeah, 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 yeah. Selfless, like Trent Cotchin, um, pretty much. Selfless. <laughs> next, next level selfless. Oh, shit. Now, this is a loaded question because you both can't say each other, all right? So, but in terms of the best player you reckon you've seen in a Swans jumper from in your time, and you've, as I said, you've been there quite a, quite a while now, so you've got a fairly decent pool to choose from here in terms of Swans players. Um, mm. who, who, do you, who, do you think, who do you think sort of is up there sort of one or two in terms of the players that you've seen? Um, I, I, better I, go first, or else I'll steal. I it. reckon uh, Joshy, Joshy Leary, for me, um, he's just he's all round. He's a he's a ruckman and he's a rover. Especially like I'm, I haven't played with him for a long time, but when we used to play and I'd play in the ball, he's yeah. just everywhere all the time and a workhorse. Um, yeah, we've yeah. had some real good players, you know. We've got um, Oscar, you got Mitch, you got some really good players. But um, for me, being on the ball with him. It was um. It always makes everything easier. He'd be back and forwards. Yeah, yeah. I think um, honourable mention to Duxy. I think uh, just like and just all round good guy and uh, asset to a club. And but I reckon best player that I it would be at least the best game I've ever seen someone play would have to be the last game I saw Oscar play mm. against the North and we would just bomb the ball into the forward pocket and he's like, I'm, I'm going to get it no matter what. Um, so definitely I would say uh, best player, Oscar. Yep. And uh, outside the Swans, who's the best player that you've seen, you know, on another team? Um, I think playing uh, in – when we played – it came a draw against uh, Indonesia – I was I was manned up on one of the ex AFL guys. I can't remember his name. He's about the same height as me, but uh, man, he was very difficult opponent. Yeah, uh, Shorty. 
I'll just go with Josh Leary again. Uh, play again. True, true, <laughs> true. <laughs> For those who, who might yeah. not know, he, he moved to Malaysia and won an Asian champs, played four or five years there, much to uh, a couple of our uh, players' disgust. Yeah, he's a game changer having a big ruckman yeah. like that yeah. in Asian champs. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Now, Sean, late question coming in here. Question from from our, our, one of our, our guests. Do you have a right foot was the question. Can you just, can uh, you well, just, can you just check under the table there? <laughs> when I was... Uh, there, I, okay, there it is. Just check. I had one. I lost it when I... Uh, I did my knee when I was about 18. And so from that time on, I just never kicked with it. And then I did yeah, my left really? knee. But uh, yeah, I, like I had somewhat of a, a right foot, not Nathan's right foot, uh, not Nathan's opposite foot, but I could kick with it, and then I just didn't use it for seven or eight years. So, yeah, right. And I realised in Asia, you don't need one because everyone yeah. thinks you're right footed. <laughs> you just turn around to no one. Can... Nathan's like, he's a left footer. He's a left footer. Yeah. I have heard that a few times actually when we played for sure. Absolutely, I've heard that a few times. Do you guys follow the footy much at all still back home, the AFL? Uh, not this year. Yeah. <laughs> when, when the Tigers were up, we were, definitely. But uh, <laughs> we've, we've had a good run. I think, you know, we've done – maybe when I've got kids, we'll, 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 we'll come back to Tigers. But we've had our run and uh, we'll yeah. come we'll rebuild and uh, we'll be back. But, uh, yeah, we, we if the footy's on, we'll watch it, but we're probably not hardcore – Followers, I'd say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, we're getting to the Billy's end of the of part of the podcast, but before we get into his his super six that he has, just I've got one question or well, two questions for each of you, um, and it's cool. We're calling this Rockets Reliables, and I've asked Bill to try and put a stinger together for this, but we've yet to do that. We're still we're still working on our technical uh, prowess over here. Yep. Um, but it, it basically the question would be if you had to have anyone from the Swannies take a shot for goal with their life depending on it to win it after the game, who would that be? But also on the other on the other side of the on the other side of the uh, equation, if you had to, because what one thing I've noticed for the Swannies is when it comes to boat races, so you know after after. Uh, functions after match functions when it comes to boat races we are just terrible like we can't win any of these <laughs> so if you had to find anyone who you wouldn't have in the boat race who would who would that be so uh one of you guys can dive in there in terms of who you would select on that i think uh for the end of shot um i would surprisingly well, i think uh will the American. True. Uh, I yeah. think he yeah. has one of the best kicks. Yeah. Does not miss. Wow. Like he he's he's unbelievable. Like I, I he's a better kick than me, and I grew up playing the game. So it's safe to um, say he's there for one thing though. There's, there's no passing in his mind. There's no. It's basically no, get no, the, he's get very the ball, good at through. the fake pass. Like I, I, I know it. I know he's not going to pass it to me anymore. I just pretend like I'm going to get it, so that he. I know he's not going. To, he's going to fake pass to me. He's going to turn around and he's going to kick oh, the goal. But yeah, Will, <laughs> Will, the surprising American has well a very steady kick. Wow. 
Um, I think I would go with Coach Tommy. True, true, true. Oh, true, true. He's as uh, skillful as they come, and he's as calm and collected under pressure. Yeah, put my life under in his hands. <laughs> so he's going to love hearing that. Yeah, the way the <laughs> yeah, way we yeah. like to uh, to close out this podcast is to uh, allow the guests to really throw throw your teammates under the bus. So we give you six words. It's the Super Six, and uh, we want to know the first person that that comes to mind when I when I say each word. So um, to make it easy, we'll go you first, Nate. As soon as we started the pod with Shawnee, I'll say the word. Rocket will say the word. You just tell us who comes to mind. You can explain a little bit if you want, but you don't have to. There's no obligation. So the first okay. word is funny. Uh, I reckon uh, Iris John and his mate, is his mate Brian? Was that yep. his mate? Mm. Yeah. Dirty yeah. Those those two boys together, yep. funniest. And then when they would translate or they would do an Aussie accent, man, they, those boys are fun to play the game with. Shorty? Yep. Um, funniest. Um... I'm going to go. I'll go with Brewster because you'd want me to go there. Um, his jokes are generally for me aren't that funny, but he, uh, he works very hard at being, being funny. So <laughs> I'll have to put him down there, Brewster. Good, good, good. Pay the effort. Well, this should, this should be easier the next one because it should be a cast of thousands. So, and this is around the, angry, the most angriest Swanee you've, you've played with. No? Um, so uh, I would have to say the most. In in footy, like because in the Swans, I'm I'm one of the better players. Not that many people will yell at me uh, for making a mistake um, because you know, and it's not Aussie culture. If you make a oh, bad luck, mate, you know, bad luck, you know, next time. But Vaughn, the <laughs> Canadian, he would just rip through me. Like one time we're in a final and I messed the kick out. He's like, Nato, what the f are you doing, mate? Kick it properly. Like, like I've never had an Australian talk to me like that. I'm like, oh, sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I'll do better next time. So, angriest player, Vaughn. Good job, mate. Yeah. Um, angriest player, can't go past Tennessee. Um, <laughs> when he's angry, he's angry. Yeah, um, very, very fair. It's good to have him on your team when you're running out there and he's getting himself psyched up to, uh, <laughs> to yeah. get angry. Yeah, yeah, no, he's good fun to play with. 100%. Now, who would be the best dressed? I would say uh, Mitch. I feel like he's got a lot of class, a lot of style. So I would say Mitch. <laughs> yeah, Mitch is, is he's a close second to Mr. Rod White. Oh, oh I'm going to go uh, with Rocket. Is. Rocket is, yeah. I say him, he's, he's dressed to impress. He's a fashionable man. He's well-traveled. And uh, <laughs> he's probably well-dressed right now, eh? No, I'm not because normally Bill's taking the piss out of my shoes that I wear all the time, you boys. So, <laughs> um, then, well, let's, let's let's turn the tables a bit here. The most laziest point, then, Mado. I'm gonna have to pass on this one. Actually, Sean gave me a hint that this would be on the the question, and I I just couldn't think of anyone. Shawnee, you got anyone? Um, I'm going to add laziest. When it comes to training, um, Mr. Oscar, he is our best player, but he always seems to be doing his shoes up for a long time while we're yeah. running laps or warming up. 
He comes yeah. out for a few kicks, looks a bit tired, and then just comes and dominates on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, Very so, tactical, the Oscar. Very tactical. That is, that is you, mate. Yeah, yeah he, he would be barely even wearing shoes too after five minutes. They're just a <laughs> just a pair of um, Dunlop volleys or something. Um, yeah. Now, who would be the coach's pet? Little, little Vin. Yep. I reckon whenever the coach gives him a little bit of encouragement, changes the whole way he plays. So I think little Vin, actually, if the right coach on. realizes you just yep. encourage him a little bit, he'll give you everything. Yep. So I think uh, little Vin for the coach's pet. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Gus. Mr. Gus, he gets I don't know why. He just seems to be that sort of, you know, yeah. just a nice guy who's always just there ready to go on or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gus. All right. Now, the last one, we save the best to last. The, the most annoying swan that you've come across. I'll go here. Um, it would have <laughs> to be <laughs> NATO. <laughs> NATO. Definitely. Um, and I, I think you'd get 99% agreement on this. Whenever there's a call by the umpire yeah. that Nate thinks is not just, he, he just made the wrong decision. Nadia does not shut up. He Can't just keeps it. going, and yeah. uh, everyone finds it just a little bit annoying, mate. Sorry, you just broke up there. I didn't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go again then. Most most annoying, Nato. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I actually well, muted um, you for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, just most annoying. Um, I... I didn't realize this until we went up and played against Hanoi, but you do not want Kero not to no. be on your team. Best. He, like, if I got within 20 meters of the bench, he was just giving everything to me. Oh, no, 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 So, yeah. um, definitely a mind game. And, look, we lost that game apparently because they didn't count the score. Right. I think it's the home, home field home should score. at least count yeah. the score, but... Whatever, you know, we just kicked the last three goals, but whatever. But, um, yeah, Kero, most annoying if you're not on his team. If you're on his team, you feel good. If you're not on his team, <laughs> you're in trouble. Perfect. And what a great way to, uh, to finish out the pod. Firstly, um, boys, I want to say thank you so much to, for joining us. Uh, thanks, Shawnee. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Rocket. And thanks, Nate. Thanks, mate. It's been good. And I also want to, um, I want to give a, a bit of a, you know, a prod to most of our listeners. They'll be listening to this in a couple of days or a couple of weeks after we've actually recorded it now. But I think it's it's one thing we can't uh, mention enough in these podcasts and in anything we do around our group is to support each and every one of our own livelihoods in this time. It's been, like we discussed, it's been incredibly hard and there's a pretty easy thing to do. You know, a couple of weeks of, of delicious bagels for lunch will go a long way Um once, once deliveries get out and beyond District 2. So, um, yeah, bagelbrothersvn.com and uh, cheesecakenon.com. And obviously the Facebook stuff's pretty easy to find. So love all the Swannies to really get around. It's not just, not just the boys. Get around each and every one of our own uh, members and see what we can do to bounce back as, as hard as we can as soon as that's possible. Now, obviously, as always, need to uh, thank the... Best dressed co-host in the Keep Honking podcast. Thanks for your time today, Rocket. It's not a myth, Bill. You've heard it here first from one very smart Sean Milner. Just as we need to get behind our family and friends as as businesses reopen and come out of COVID, we need to get behind the the Swans 2021 sponsors who have been so generous in supporting the club 
and enabling the footy club to keep pushing forward in, in trying times. The 2021 sponsors include Halita Beer, uh, the Republic Cup in Hanoi, the Alfrescos Group, HMS Host International, Wildside Custom, TAO Apparel, Crown Relocations, QBE, the Australian International School down south, uh, X Digital and Ninja Inc. Please make sure to get behind these guys in any way you can, uh, especially as things open up after COVID. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. We've got plenty more fantastic episodes coming up. Make sure you jump on the website, follow Facebook to find out more about the Swannies as we get back on track.